Chapter Eight of Miss Philura's Wedding Gown by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Mr. George Trimmer entered his store on the Wednesday morning immediately succeeding the Monday on which his pastor had issued his bold ultimatum, he was obviously in a very bad temper. Mr. Adelbert Small, regularly employed in the Emporium for a matter of ten years back, knew the signs and cautiously retreated to his desk in the rear of the store, where during certain hours of each day he was engaged in the bookkeeping end of the business. Mr. Small was an undersized man, with what is known as a sandy complexion and rather watery blue eyes rimmed with red, the red being a consequence of a too strenuous application to figures in the semi-darkness which prevailed in the rear of the emporium. He had been talking with the new clerk, when both men caught sight of the spare, stoop-shouldered figure of their employer through the plate-glass window at the front of the store. Mr. Trimmer was twenty minutes after his usual time, a fact which Adelbert Small had already commented upon. "'Gee,' murmured the experienced clerk, "'there'll be a hot time in the old town if I ain't mistaken in the weather signs.' He climbed nimbly to his stool, and was deep in figures when the door closed behind Mr. Trimmer. "'Good morning, sir,' said Milton Gregory, with perfect propriety of tone and manner. There are occasions when a smiling politeness acts as a species of mental mustard plaster. It is a tacit rebuke to ruffled tempers, and suggests a certain smug superiority, quite maddening to persons of an irritable disposition.' Mr. Trimmer merely growled as he hung up his shabby overcoat and topped it with a shabbier hat. "'What you fellows been doing?' he demanded, as he removed the arctic overshoes he wore at all seasons except midsummer. "'We've got to do more business than we have so far this week, or I'll have to discharge both of you.' Adelbert Small wriggled uneasily upon his stool. He had heard this threat many times before, but it never failed to arouse his apprehensions. Mr. Small was a family man, with a sickly wife and two children, small by name and small all over, to quote their father's frequently uttered aphorism concerning them. Therefore his job, as he called it, was of the utmost importance. He was in the habit of prefacing most of his modest plans with the words, if I don't lose my job, or if I can hold that job of mine a while longer, and so forth. This was very depressing to Mrs. Small, who declared she suffered from an access of nervousness every Saturday afternoon, for fear Adelbert would come home without his job. As for the little Smalls, they frolicked, as it were, upon the brink of a jobless future. Therefore it was that Adelbert blinked his watery eyes over the columns of figures he was adding, and nervously curled his toes behind the rung of his stool, and was silent. The new clerk, however, answered with great cheerfulness. "'Doing?' he echoed. "'Why, we've swept the store, uncovered the stock, and I've arranged the windows in the way I spoke of yesterday. Did you notice them, sir?' Mr. Trimmer had noticed the windows, dressed in a manner which would have done credit to a city shop, but he merely grunted. "'I thought trade was pretty brisk,' continued the young man with admirable aplomb. "'We had quite a run on handkerchiefs yesterday.' "'Oh, we did, eh? And you think trade is pretty brisk, huh? 
well you're a very smart young man very smart and knowing but you'll find yourself out of a job some of these fine days along with your smartness then maybe you'll set up in business for yourself i guess you're a little too smart for me do you want me to leave today sir inquired milton gregory with what mr trimmer set down as an impudent smile at his employer then he glanced towards the corner where his own hat and coat were bestowed with a purposeful air when i want you to quit i'll let you know snapped mr trimmer there's a customer coming in get busy it was miss philura rice in quest of a spool of silk she was quite intent upon a scrap of brocade whose colour she wished to match but when the young man came forward with his pleasant smile she gazed at him with wide uncomprehending eyes why what oh she stammered you are surprised to see me he inquired don't you think it's time i went to work oh but, but do you want purple or black asked the young man he had taken the scrap of silk and was turning it over in his strong brown fingers with a smile um, purple i think a ten cent spool when did you come last week he said holding a spool for her inspection is that about right i'm coming to call soon if i may he smiled down into her agitated face with great good humour it was such a surprise said miss philura i'm sure i never never should have expected she was fumbling in her purse and he could not help seeing how shabby and how nearly empty it was you haven't told me whether i may come to see you he reminded her as he handed her the change from a quarter of a dollar oh of course oh i do hope you will and i haven't inquired is everyone quite well your dear mother and i have heard nothing to the contrary he told her with what a more astute observer might have set down as a slight bitterness in his voice then he smiled down at her reassuringly i'm here on um, business he went on i'll be glad to explain when i see you might i come tonight miss philura hesitated for the fraction of a minute mr pettibone was in the habit of dropping in over wednesday evening but she was determined not to be selfish i shall be very glad to have you drink tea with me she said with quaint cordiality here you milt called mr trimmer jerking his thumb in the direction of a new customer at the opposite counter i'll come he promised miss philura it was more than an hour thereafter before the stress of business again permitted a short conversation between mr trimmer and his junior clerk hmm. you don't want to get into general conversation with customers said mr trimmer sententiously it ain't what you're here for milt and i want you should paste it in your hat let the women folk do the talking and you tend strictly to business that's my way and i ain't gonna have it no other in this here store you understand young milton gregory stooped and picked up a scrap of paper from the floor he glanced at it carelessly and then tucked it into his pocket i think you make it uh, sufficiently clear he replied <clears throat> excuse me sir interrupted mr adelbert small with an apologetic cough but i haven't had the opportunity before when i opened the store this morning i found this um, under the door mr trimmer eyed the large square envelope which mr small handed him it bore his own name in small distinct characters and the flap was fastened with a large christmas seal 
displaying the words peace on earth good will to men oh, kind of early in the season for that sort of thing i thought observed mr small with a feeble attempt at a laugh mr trimmer with great deliberation bestowed the envelope in his pocket he thought he detected an undue curiosity on the faces of his employees get back to them books dell he bade his accountant and you milt put some coal on the furnace left to himself he opened the envelope it contained several crisp bank bills folded inside a single sheet which bore the words for the minister's back pay better get busy a reporter from the boston hub will be present at the service on sunday hmm exclaimed mr trimmer i'd like to know who in creation he paused to count the bills then he blinked cleared his throat and turned the envelope over hmm peace on earth eh yet there had been a distinct threat conveyed to his mind by the brief words of the unknown person who was interested in the minister's back pay he was decidedly glad on the whole when the door opened to admit the figure of the senior deacon of the church who was also a member of the board of trustees morning george began the deacon rubbing the dampness from the end of his nose with the back of his mittened hand oh good morning deacon responded mr trimmer he was still holding the square envelope with its enclosure deacon scrimger's sharp old eyes detected the roll of yellow-backed green paper in mr trimmer's hand oh, collection's good eh commented the deacon he removed his striped mittens rolled them up and stuffed them into his bulging pocket then he produced an ancient and hard-worked bandana handkerchief and blew a bugle blast there's nothing like cold cash to oil the wheels of trade he observed oracularly mr trimmer all unconsciously had divested himself of the calculating merchant he was now elder trimmer solemn and sanctified i have just received a goodly contribution to the pastor's salary he said in his best prayer meeting manner the lord is on our side <laughs> you don't say cried the deacon wagging his aquiline old face from side to side who donated it uh, oh it's anonymous mr trimmer told him some good brother doubtless uh, he stole a second glance at the handwriting on the single page or consecrated sister <clears throat> he coughed as in church or sister he repeated who has chosen to heed our lord's command in keeping the right hand in um, ignorance of what the left hand hath um, performed it is in short fifty dollars and thus encouraged i feel hallelujah cried the deacon <laughs> maybe the pastoral letters off at that we don't want no publicity in our church affairs i was talking with my wife and sister buckthorn yesterday and the ladies aid'll contribute twenty-five dollars they'll take it out of their missionary fund it seems wrong to deprive the heathens began mr trimmer but the methodists'll get one on us if the matter's took to presbytery interrupted deacon scrimger i hear there's a good deal of talk already i regret that our pastor should have taken such a stand at this time murmured mr trimmer 
Mm, I suppose we can get rid of him and get a younger man, suggested Deacon Scrimger briskly. A young man draws better in a man of his age. Mr. Trimmer was not without certain graces of character, though these were often in eclipse. He glanced sharply from the letter in his hand to the face of his colleague. We'd have to pay up just the same, he said coldly. I don't want any whippersnapper in the pulpit. We'll have to get busy. Mr. Trimmer did not, either then or later, show the anonymous communication which had accompanied the gift of fifty dollars. But the thought of the reporter from the Boston hub remained with him. As treasurer of the board of trustees, it would devolve upon himself to make a financial statement. That report should reflect credit upon Innisfield, he was determined, and, incidentally, upon that pious person, Elder George Trimmer. End of chapter 8